Oh, it's beautiful out there. It's sunny. The pine trees are waving in the wind. You can tell that spring is really on its way. Or if you're going on the Celtic calendar, spring is already here. Here in the Northern Hemisphere. Now, why am I not out there in those trees? If you are a regular Burning Tarot listener, you know that that's our usual deal, isn't it? We take a nature walk, and we observe nature, and we enjoy nature, and we pull a tarot card that helps give us a little guidance or a little something to work with for the upcoming week. That's our whole gig. This is Burning Tarot. I'm T. Today, however, we're going to do all this from the safety and comfort of my house. And I think it actually goes really well with the card, one of the two cards that I pulled for us this week. Um, Before we actually get to those cards, I want to address a question that I got this week. One of you wants to know how to begin a tarot reading. Usually on the podcast, we just kind of jump in, we're on a walk, we're talking about a card, here we go. If you buy a reading from me, typically there'll be some kind of breathing or meditation or ritual or, or something, something involving moving energy that we will do to settle ourselves at the beginning of the reading. I think the question kind of had to do with like, is there a particular routine or ritual that all tarot people should do before they do a reading? My answer to that is, well, as a practitioner of the tarot for 30-something years, I think you can do it however the heck you want. (laughs) Uh, what, What matters most is that we are open that we make ourselves open to the messages that are coming from the great vast woo, that are coming from nature, from our own intuition, from spirits, gods, goddesses, the universe. You can phrase it however you want. That's really a lot of semantics. And I enjoy playing with all those words and thinking about the different human constructs that we put on vast powers. I, th- I believe the reality is, we, you know, we don't know. We're putting a word on something. Maybe we're personifying it, giving it an identity so that we have something to pray to that we feel comfortable about. Who knows what's really going on out there? But something's going on. And as a tarot reader or just tarot meditator, your job is to open yourself up to that. The cards provide a wonderful key. The cards are not the door. They're not the doorway. And they are not the territory that you find on the other side of the door. Sometimes they are a map. Sometimes they are a key. But the real territory, the real messages come through you. The cards just kind of facilitate that Um through imagery, through history, etc. So that would be my answer. If you're going to, uh, let's say you're going to pick a card for yourself 
uh, to meditate on for the next month or the next, just the day. Those are great ways to get um, acquainted with the cards. You can do that just in a rush on your way out the door. You can be like, ooh, my tarot cards are calling me. And you can run over there and grab a card and look at it and uh, take it with you or carry the image of it in your mind or take a picture on your phone and return to it throughout the day. That is absolutely legitimate. It may be more useful to you to do some grounding, some breathing, some ritual, because that might open you up to the message. You don't have to do it the same way every time, even with clients. Uh, sometimes with clients, we, I have a full, you know, we do 10 minutes worth of just grounding and earthing because most people are not well grounded in our culture. So it takes a while to kind of get in there. Um, but if you've had a reading from me in person, like um, at Burning Man or at an art installation where I'm doing a bunch of readings in a row, you know, I, I typically grab people's hands. And we breathe together three breaths. That's it. Let's go. Then we're diving right in. And sometimes, sometimes it's just grabbing that card on your way out the door. I suppose this answer isn't very helpful, is it? Because I'm not telling you a specific thing to do. What I'm telling you is that it's your job and your opportunity. The fun thing for you to do is find new and different ways to let new and different types of energy flow through you. The cards can help you do that. The preparation that you do for grabbing a card, that can help you too. So it's kind of a mixture of the tried and true with allowing yourself to experiment so things don't go stale. It's kind of like if, you, if you're in the kitchen, you know, maybe you know exactly how to cook this one lentil dish. And that's great. But maybe one day, you, you know, you're bored of that lentil dish and you're like, well, I'm going to chop up some fresh ginger and throw in some basil on top at the end. Whatever. You, it's legit. You can do that. Occasionally, you're going to make a crummy curry. But most of the time, you get something edible. You learn something, taste something new. So you combine your experience and your tried and true techniques with some improv. So that's what I do. Um, it is nice if you have some practices that you can really drop into in the moment. That gives you a lot to work with in terms of the improvisational part. This also goes for the knowledge of the cards. So if you've, you know, given some readings or meditated on cards for yourself, listened to a bunch of podcasts, read some books, then you have some experience with what these cards are supposed to, ha-ha, mean. And that gives you something to play with or fall back on if you're in the reading and your intuition isn't flowing yet. But you got to move that stuff out of the way if it's in the way of your achieving actual flow with a reading in the moment. So I encourage everybody to develop techniques that help you get in the state of flow. Love the flow state. It's very common for those of us who have performed a lot of music and that kind of thing, uh, especially improv. 
you know, we know how that works. It's so fun. But you might get there another way. You might get to flow by doing your um, yoga routine. Maybe it's dancing. Usually flow engages the brain and the body. And so we look for different ways to have flowy flow flowness, and that connects us to the woo. And, um, and then you can pick whichever technique you want to do, whichever technique you have time for when you're ready to draw some cards for yourself or for somebody else. If you are interested in the specifics of techniques like that, if you want me to um, make podcasts or videos about that sort of stuff, please let me know. I also like hearing about how the podcast is intersecting with your life, um, especially if you buy a personal reading, definitely follow up in email sometime because I'm always curious as to how it kind of worked out. And burningtarot at gmail.com is where to reach me. So thank you for asking questions. I like them. <laughs> I like to blather, as you know, if you are a regular listener. So that was a lot of blather. Let's take a, um, let's take a moment together. We'll try to make it short. We're going to check in with the four elements. And that'll be how we prepare for our reading today instead of just diving right in. So if you're in a position where you can do this, point yourself to the north. And we'll be using the directions that um, the tradition that I was taught, this is the way you do it. Oh, you know what? There's actually a tea kettle on. I think we better handle that before we go bowing to the north and everything. It's weird doing this. Let me pause a sec. Okay, as soon as we're done with our reading, I'm going to have some well-steeped oat straw tea in my giant mug from the Paris Opera that I got in lovely Paris when I was very young. 20 years old, I believe. That's a while ago. All right. So here we go. If you've got a north, a north star, point yourself to the north. And take a nice deep breath. And feel yourself connecting to Earth's energy. Allow Earth energy to move up through the soles of your feet and throughout your body. This is a grounded, powerful, solid, and soothing energy. We often live in our heads in this culture, particularly those of us with knowledge worker, white-collar types of jobs, or anybody who stares at a phone a lot. So it's nice to breathe in some earth energy and feel it moving up through your feet and legs, throughout our organs and our limbs, down our arms and our heads too. And maybe you want to give a little bow to the earth, to the north. A thank you for this gorgeous planet that sustains us and for this wonderful opportunity to live as a material being incarnate, embodied for this lifetime or however all that works. Thank you, North. Thank you, gods, goddesses, spirits, energies, whatevers of the earth. Now let's move to the air to the east. Give the air a little bow. Hello, air. 
Air corresponds to wind and sky, messages, language, and mind. It corresponds to the swords of the tarot. It's definitely where the internet lives. It can be tricky when we've got too much of it going on all the time. But we're grateful for the magical, airy things that it does in our minds and in our lives and and the interesting ways it enables us to communicate. So maybe let's breathe in some air energy and ask the air for wisdom to combine with that earth energy, grounded air, grounded knowledge, solid thinking. Oh, air, could you help us do that? Wouldn't that be nifty? And we bow to the air. And then we're going to face to the south, to the south, to the sun, to fire. That's where the winter sun resides, at least from where I sit in Oregon. I bow to fire. I acknowledge its great heat, the initiative that it gives to all of us. Take a deep breath and I can feel the warmth of fire, just like that tea I'm going to drink in a while. Fire transforms. Fire does it in a big and scary way, usually. Whoa. But it's exciting and it's necessary. Thank you, fire, for your initiatory, transformative ways. Now, I'm going to face the west. To the west from where I am lies the Pacific Ocean, and between myself and the Pacific Ocean lie many beautiful rivers and ponds and lakes, puddles and stretches of snow. Yep, it's water. I'm going to breathe and bow to the water element. All that emotion and ancestry all the vague and deep and beautiful heartstring-plucking strangenesses of water. I am grateful for them. I truly am, even though sometimes water just plunges me right under and it's a, it's a bit of a struggle to get out. I think water brings amazing, incredible depths to life. Thank you, water. Now, if you like, you can inscribe a circle around yourself and say, this is my special protected space and lovely elements or whichever spirits or gods you like to call on. Please help me stay protected and focused within my circle as I have my tarot reading time, as I have my burning tarot podcast time. Any crummy energy that's distracting, that's unhealthy, that really just needs to get out of my way right now, I'm asking it to leave this circle. And I'm asking all those elements that live in me, water, fire, air, earth, to please, if just for a few minutes, expel, expel those weird energies 
Expel the ones that I just don't want to have next to me right now. Clear the air for me, please, elements. If you're feeling something that's really uh, eating at you or making you feel jittery or anything like that, you could also shake at this moment. Had an interesting conversation with one of you about that the other day. It's a natural mammalian thing that you can do. Pound the floor, shake your limbs. It really helps get stuff out of your body. Our bodies are what store this energy. It's not just happening up in our brains. So try that. Flick your fingers, kick your feet. Exhale some breath. Get this shit out of the way. There you go. So that little mini routine or some variation on it or some much more formal version of it is something that you can do before, uh, before anything where you want to open yourself up to spiritual matters, spiritual messages, to woo-woo stuff, to a ritual, to pulling a tarot card, to clearing the space before you meditate or take a bath. There you go. Not too hard, huh? Yeah. So finally, to the cards. I know you guys are going, this is not my usual burning tarot. We're not in the woods. We're taking forever. Where's the cards? Okay, here's the cards. We have two very yellowy cards that both come from the major arcana of the Smith Rider Wheat Tarot. And since we've taken so long on our lead-in today, I'm not going to spend all that much time on them. But let's dive in a bit. To our left, we have card number zero, the Fool. The Fool has a stick over his shoulder. His belongings, limited as they are, are um, tied to the stick. And the Fool doesn't have to be a he It's a youth. I think it's a they. They have a very wonderful sort of flowery tunic. They're holding a white rose. They have a jaunty feather in their cap. (coughs) Excuse me. They have yellow boots. And in this sort of famous picture, the sun is at their back, which is a nice feeling. And they're hiking up in the mountains. You can see big, snowy, jaggedy mountains behind. And their face is tilted upward, enjoying the sun and the views and whatever crazy stuff's in their imagination as they go on their big adventure. And then there's a little white dog at their heels, jumping up, barking, going, dude, dude. I should like to get a dog that said dude, dude, instead of woof, woof. And the dog is shouting dude because our lovely, youthful fool doesn't seem to have noticed that they are about to step off the cliff and into, you know, into the unknown, one might say, or one might say plummeting to their doom. So it's a fun card. People tend to really like, really like dropping their recorders, their iPhones. Um, people tend to really like drawing the fool nowadays. 
And there are a lot of happy things to be said about this card. Um, but there's a lot of warning contained in the card too. And I think that in the Smith, Smith Rider Waite tradition, you know, 100 years ago, uh, 50 years ago, people were much more likely to notice the problems with this card. So let's take a balanced approach. We might be experiencing some youthful energy, some desire to go on a new adventure. In fact, I know we're experiencing that because I've given some readings this week and um, talked to some of you in other contexts. And boy, oh boy, do we have a collective bug up our ass. Everybody wants to move. <laughs> or, or, you know, jump in their RV and go live in Mexico or whatever. There's a lot of that going on. Um, and it can just mean, you know what? It's time for something new. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But when the fool card comes up, it usually means I'm, I'm ready, I'm feeling youthful, I've got energy, I want to go do something new, and I haven't thought it through. That's why there's a small dog at my feet. Well, good thing I brought the dog. At least I thought that part through. Um, so it's tricky. What looks like freedom when you pull the fool can be disaster. Or it can be a failure to recognize what your adventure really means. What your adventure really requires. You might pull this card. We collectively, the Burning Tarot, handful. We might pull this card this week. Uh, because we have suddenly noticed that our plans or our half-assed desires to change everything um, are really incomplete. And depending on where you are in your life, that might not be an acceptable risk to take. If you are 20 years old, as I was in Paris when I bought that giant Paris Opera, Leon Baxt, painted teacup I was talking about. I was off on an adventure, didn't have enough money, saved all the money till the very end, and then bought the teacup. <laughs> but I was living on trains, and I was having crazy adventures as a solo American wandering the continent. I look back at that time, and I think, well, that's exactly the time in life to do that. But I was also the fool on the edge of the cliff. I didn't understand that if a man bought you a drink or a dinner, it meant you were supposed to sleep with him. Or that many would think that. I didn't know that little gangs of street teenage boys might chase me through Paris. Uh, and that I'd only be able to escape because I had an emergency credit card of my parents for use only in emergency. You know, a little privileged white girl thing that I had my buried somewhere in my passport carrier thing. So, you know, I did make it through relatively unscathed. There were a lot more adventures than what I just told you. But I really was the fool at that point. When I look at my life now, I'm like, hey, I'm middle-aged. Would that be worth it now? 
would anyone want to chase me through the streets now? Probably not. But um, you know what I'm getting at here. There, There is a balance. And when this card comes up, it says, okay, it's great to have that youthful energy and it's great to want something new. It's really great to be willing to have an adventure. You might already be on the adventure, but you definitely have to look around you, see what's at your feet. Are you grounded? Are you about to fall off a cliff? Is there somebody at your heels trying to warn you and you're kind of ignoring them because you're looking up at the sky and it's so nice up there? You're twirling your flower. So, and, and also I think the fool is about expectation. Uh, sometimes the fool has a great advantage over other archetypes because maybe the fool doesn't have that many expectations. So when they wander off, they are really going in with beginner's mind. There's, they have the capacity of noticing things that others can't see because they, they don't already know the whole story. So that's the advantage. That's the cool thing. That's why I'm inside today. I looked outside and saw this beautiful sun. I was working all morning on corporate marketing stuff. <laughs> that's my other job. I was doing some writing and editing, and I was so antsy. I wanted to get out there in that warm sun. When I went to go on my walk, I discovered that it was a warm sun with an Arctic wind. I am not a big wuss about this stuff, I think. But today I was just like, I didn't even make it to the gate out to the National Forest. I just turned right around and came back in. I was like, I am freezing my tush off. This is not worth it. So that's me having um, expectations that, uh, you know, they sound reasonable. Look outside, there's the sun. Uh, and I, you know, I was wearing my puffy jacket and everything. <clears throat> but the expectation that I would get my walk, that I would get my adventure, the way that I'm used to having my adventure, do burning tarot the way that I always do burning tarot. The universe was like, uh, no, no. You could try to force your way of doing it, Miss T said the universe, but you'd be freezing and uncomfortable and there would be wind in the microphone. So, hey, maybe you need to be flexible and be open to doing it a different way. So that's a bunch of fool stuff that we're working with. If you have been contemplating one of these big adventures and one of these big moves, um, expect that energy to keep thrumming. But maybe keep in mind, um, there's probably not a really huge hurry. Make sure you're dotting your I's, crossing your T's, and seeing all the angles before you make a decision. This, uh, this phase of foolishness is going to lead us also into a phase of the Empress. That's our second card. She too has a yellow sky in the background. She is the number three in the major arcana. And again, we're working with the centennial edition of the Smith Rider. Wait. Ah, uh, the Empress, who is she? Well, she is the mother. She is, you know, kind of a Demeter figure with wheat growing in the foreground. She's wearing a flowing robe, sitting on a super comfy uh, throne with lots of cushions and stuff. Most of the thrones in this tarot deck are they're stone. I don't think I'd want to sit my butt on that all day. 
She's got a heart with a Venus symbol on it. She holds a scepter. She has a diadem of stars on her head. And there are, uh, there's water nearby. There are trees. So we have an image of enlightened fertility, manifestation, and some stillness. The water is moving, but she's decided to sit. She is not in a great big frickin' hurry. She is very connected to the earth. She is of the earth. She is the earth. She has some sovereignty over the earth and herself and those around her. She is someone you can go to for advice. If you are looking at manifesting something, if you're looking at your creativity, if you are literally a mother or father, with children, or a teacher with students, that kind of thing. This is a very powerful card for literally enjoying that role. Be the matriarch. You know, the fool is kind of making you feel jumpy and antsy, but the empress is coming along to say, you know, might be time to really exult in what you've got. The earth under your feet whatever nature you have available to you, wherever it is you live. And if you are confined to indoors, finding other ways to bring nature to you through meditation, through holding on to stones and leaves and pieces of rock, even um, a nature meditation online that shows images from nature and, and has the sound of water running and birds chirping. All of that is very, very good empress energy. She is a three. The, the fool is a zero. The fool's like, I'm a wild card. I'm a joker. We don't really know where I fall in the, the grand scheme of things. I am the beginning and the end and neither the beginning nor the end. Wild card. Empress is like, I am the three. Empress says, I know how to manifest. I know how to groove with that which is material and real, that which is grounded and earth-based. The empress engages her senses and her body. And that's kind of the antidote to the negative, jittery, unrealistic stuff that comes with our fool energy. She's just like, boom, let's go to wisdom. Let's go to nurturing Nurturing others, but also nurturing ourself. In this depiction of the Empress, you know, there aren't any children about. There's nobody for her to be taken care of. She's just sitting there being lovely and badass. And she's doing that for herself and for the earth. So I think we are invited to do that this week as well and pay special attention to our relationship to earth, earth energy. That yellow sky behind the fool also represents Earth as well. So both of these cards, which are strong cards, you know, these are like big major arcana archetypal players, um, both of which I'm very happy to see. I, mean, I like these guys a lot. And uh, apologies to anyone out there who disapproves of Gen Xers like myself using the word guys. To me, it is not a gendered word. So... I like these guys. 
<laughs> um, who are a they and a woman. I'm going to call them guys anyway. And I'm happy to see them. And I like their uh, their way of working together here. The fool is leading us to a greater solidity. How ironic. The fool is leading us to connect more firmly with what is stable and real and material. I would add that in the astrology of the moment, we have a whole bunch of Capricorn stuff going on. And then some planets also getting ready to move into Aquarius. So that too is like a big earth energy thing uh, getting ready to move into air. Uh, And this is the week of the full moon. And that's happening in Leo um, with the sun in Aquarius. That's air. And we're coming up to the final square between Saturn and Uranus in this Saturn-Uranus squaring thing that's been going on for almost a year, over a year, something like that, year-ish. And that pits a kind of, you know, Saturn gives us limitations, but the Uranus part is happening over in Taurus, which is the fixed earth sign. So we have, you know, Uranus is very fool type of energy. Like, woohoo, let's go on the adventure. Let's change everything. Let's revolutionize. Let's think differently. Let's just go for it. Wackadoodle time. And the planet Uranus has been going through Taurus for quite a while now. And that's really, you know, that's messing with us. When that squares Saturn, um, that feeling of uh, wanting to have the adventure and make the flow and that having conflict with the earth, just like our fool and empress cards right here, uh, that creates a feeling of conflict and it kind of amplifies our limitations. It amplifies the little dog nipping at our heels. Um, It amplifies the sense of like gravity. (laughs) You know, if you step off that cliff, you might die because like, gravity. Saturn is gravity saying, yep, you're going to fall. So I think we're given a prescription here for for dealing with that energy and um, dealing with our own energy. And that is to enjoy what we can of the fool without being swept away by it. And finding the antidote to, to the parts of the fool that are too ungrounding And uh, rather than just adventurous, kind of stupid, (laughs) frankly, the Empress is showing us the way out, being flowing, tuning into our earth self, tuning into our receptive feminine self as well. The Empress embodies that type of fecundity and fertility and creativity, which is a little less... Like, I'm going to go make something happen. And a little more, I'm going to invite something to happen. Something to happen within me. And see how that goes. All right. So I hope I can follow this advice this week. It sounds really good as I hear myself saying it. (laughs) I'm not going to expect it to be warm outside. And I hope that our next 
uh, adventure that we take with Burning Tarot will be happening out in the forest in our usual spot. Thanks for joining me as always. Um, the $20 one card pull sale is still on. I'm still just really enjoying giving you guys readings. I'm having such interesting conversations. And I'm just going to leave that up there um, probably until I go on my vacation to Mexico next month. All right. Much love. I'm T. This is Burning Tarot. And ciao.